Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Glenn Schmidt with Schmidt Farms in Waller, Texas. We're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've got a farm bill extension in the works. We'll have more details on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A longtime Washington policy analyst has his take on the extension of the Farm Bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more as the House and Senate Agriculture Committees release a statement on the Farm Bill Extension coming up next on Texas Ag Today. 2023 has been another tough growing season in the South Plains. But will the difficulties they've experienced have farmers in the region doing something different in terms of what they plant next season? I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. If you've been to the grocery store lately or taken the family out to eat, there is some sticker shock going on. Hello, I'm Barry Mauler and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A farm bill extension is in the works. Tom Nicoletti has more. The four leaders of the U.S. House and Senate Agriculture Committees released the following statement on a farm bill extension. Quote, as negotiations on funding the government progress, we were able to come together to avoid a lapse in funding for critical agricultural programs and provide certainty to producers. This extension is in no way a substitute for passing a five-year farm bill, and we remain committed to working together to get it done next year. That is the statement this week from the leaders of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. Meanwhile, Jim Wiesemeyer, Washington policy analyst with Pro Farmer and Farm Journal, explains the situation on the farm bill. That's why I never put a year to a farm bill, because that doesn't mean you won't have a new farm bill sometime in 2024. In fact, I think you will, but it just gives them more time. So they'll have to do a one-year extension to extend you know, some of the programs, and that means you'll have a viable safety net at least continuing on for the corn, soybeans, and, and wheat that's used in the feed production. Yeah, well, certainly there's a lot of volatility in the livestock sector, and the farm bill is critical to uh, try to uh, level the playing field there. 
Yeah, what I point out is over the last few years, the biggest growth area in insurance has been dairy and cattle. And that was as a result of not the farm bill, but it was a funding bill in which cattle producers dramatically got a better program in insuring their industry. So I would watch that. It'll continue to grow, and that's a good thing because it's called risk management. That is Jim Wiesemeyer, a Washington policy analyst. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton farmers needed a good cotton crop this year to make up for the disaster of last year. But Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist Dr. John Robinson says that just didn't happen. It depends on where you were. Uh, in some places it was just um, a disappointing situation where they didn't make the bumper crop they needed to to make up for 22. In some places of the state it was it was a wipeout because of you know heat, drought, and things that just prevented uh, production at all that ended up getting plowed up. So we've had another frustrating year for growing cotton. Yeah, we have. We have. Uh, definitely the sentiment for 23 was tied to the wipeout of 22 and whether 23 would make up for it, which in most cases I would say it, it did not. From an analyst standpoint, it was a challenging year because there was a lot of dryland cotton that germinated. It was a standing crop that ended up getting plowed, uh, which is unusual that it would be up and there all year and was probably counted by USDA and several of their of their supply and demand uh, counts and calculations. But it ended up getting plowed up late in the year because there wasn't enough yield on it. So it was just it just added to the to the general confusion about how much supply did we really have. Well, Dr. Robinson, because of these issues we're talking about, are we seeing farmers shifting acreage from maybe cotton to corn? Yes, where it's possible. Now, corn is a, is, has a lot of water demand and Texas is a dry place. But uh, in years where there's enough moisture to plant to and expectations of a normal rainy type of year, we've seen corn production uh, expand along the Gulf Coast and in parts of the state you know, where they have reliable irrigation, which is really in the more north you go in the, in the panhandle. But that's, those are the regions that just on average have been shifting away from corn to cotton because of the, the same water question. Uh, it was, it was uh, more feasible and more profitable to grow cotton when the relative prices uh, indicate it. And unfortunately, Dr. Robinson doesn't think we'll see 90 cent cotton anytime soon. Well, we've had a couple of runs through the upper 80s that bounced off 89 and 90. So, you know, we, we didn't seem to get there. I would expect a whole bunch of growers, if, if we did make another run to the upper 80s, I would expect a bunch of growers to do what they did last month, and that is jump in and sell, take it as a selling opportunity. That's what I would do. That's Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist, Dr. John Robinson. 2023 has been another tough growing season in the Texas Southern Plains. But James Hunt tells us that shouldn't have a big effect on what farmers plant next year. Reviewing the 2023 growing season for the South Plains, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel says timing worked against area farmers. If you look at the Texas Tech Mesonet and you see the total rainfall that we've had year to date, you might think, well, we've had a pretty good year. But especially in the South Plains, the rainfall that we've had in 2023 was very much bunched into a couple of time frames. 
And the way those rainy periods were bunched pretty much comes down to this. There was a very wet spring, and also some late-season moisture that came too late to be all that helpful, and in between, a very dry summer that took a toll on production. As much as cotton is drought tolerant, we saw a tremendous amount of dryland cotton this year that's been zeroed out by crop insurance. Now this was the second season in a row where South Plains farmers have had a rough go of it with their cotton, but despite the challenges, Dr. Trossel does not foresee any significant acreage shift coming next season. There could be some minor changes. We've had a few years when grain sorghum prices could be exceptionally strong that farmers will say, I have the opportunity to go ahead and rotate. But no, farmers, their equipment, their experience is very much grounded in cotton. And so I have a lot of people that sometimes, you know, they have complaints about cotton production. We think we're gonna do something else, but when the seed goes in the planter box in the spring, it's cotton seed. And the crop insurance program, I think, probably buffers large changes in cropping acreage in the case of cotton. That's Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is some sticker shock happening at grocery stores and restaurants. Barry Mahler has more from the rolling plains of Texas. I'm hearing more and more discussion lately of prices at the grocery store, and people are asking, why are the prices so high? Is it because of the drought? What's going on? Now, I understand the questions because being a guy that likes to cook, therefore, I'm in the supermarket quite a bit. I've noticed it, too. Now, I was always one of those people that went to the store, got what I wanted, didn't pay much attention to what things cost, but lately, it's even gotten my attention. So how much has it gone up? Well, according to the Consumer Price Index, annual increases from September of 2022 to September of 2023 have been most dramatic among products such as frozen juices and drinks. They're up 21.3%. Frozen vegetables up 11.6%. White bread is up 7.8%. Beef and veal up 7%. And crackers, bread, and cracker products up 6.9%. Now, it's important to understand that this is just in the last year, and this is all, well, it got started way before that. So to get the real feeling of how much it's changed, we have to go to the CPI from an earlier year. So let's look at the range from 2000 to 2023. Now, there in 2000, we find the index at about 180, and the current index is above 320. So not quite double since 2000, but still a dramatic rise. Now, the numbers I've given are for groceries, but if you look at food away from home, which would include restaurants and takeout, that index is now over 350, which is nearly a doubling of the price since the year 2000. Now, I can go on with the percentages and indexes until your eyes cross over, but I think our own grocery bill will give you that information. But folks are asking what causes it and when will we see some relief? Well, according to the bean counters, labor costs are higher. It's costing more to attract workers in all sectors. The basic products of food production, the commodities that we raise out on the land, are increasing. USDA says 4.3% increase just this year. But my comment on that is, yes, the costs are increasing, but our basic commodity prices are lower now in most categories than they were a year ago. So that should help the cause. It should also be helpful that the corn and bean crop yields are basically better than expected as the harvest continues, even with the hot, dry weather this summer. 
Droughts and wildfires now have led to lower crop yields, especially in certain products, but those should also adjust as the weather pattern changes. Now, the USDA points out that the increase in prices are lower than in 2022, so that's moving in the right direction. And a few items are beginning to ease, but I think it's safe to say that the baseline for what we pay for food will not come back down to historic levels anytime soon. And I suspect that somewhere along the line, there have been some instances of, oh, well, everything else is going up, so let's raise the price of food, too. Could be. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Moller for Texas Ag Today. Special mule deer antler restrictions remain in place this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are five calf health considerations to increase immunity and decrease disease. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are five calf health considerations to increase immunity and decrease disease. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at those considerations. The foundation for a strong, healthy calf starts with the dam. The nutritional status of the dam is very important, and if cows are not in good body condition at calving, the quality of the colostrum can be affected. Cows begin colostrum production 60 days prior to calving, so good nutrition is important. Colostrum intake is the single most important factor in preventing disease in calves. I know I talk about this a lot on this program, but it is critical to get first milk in these calves in the first 12 to 24 hours as colostrum provides the antibodies to fight off infection. Calves are born with basically no immunity, and the colostrum is the sole source to prevent infection in the first few months of life, and it contains minerals, vitamins, and energy. If you are unsure about colostrum ingestion in a calf, it is a good idea to milk the cow and tube feed the calf, or at least have a colostrum replacement product available to use. Ideally, calves would get two quarts of colostrum in the first six hours. Vaccinating cows for clostridial diseases when checking for a pregnancy benefits the cow, but also benefits her future calf by increasing its immunity after birth to these clostridial diseases. Also, giving cows scour prevention vaccines at least 60 days prior to calving helps prevent this issue by increasing immunity to infectious scours. It also helps to calve cows out on dry, clean ground that is separated as far as possible from other calves to decrease disease transmission. Lastly, recent studies have shown that vaccinating calves with clostridium type C and D vaccine, an intranasal respiratory vaccine, and an oral scours vaccine as soon after birth is effective. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
Special mule deer antler restrictions remain in place this year. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. If you plan on hunting mule deer when the season opens, don't forget that special antler restrictions remain in place for several counties. Sean Gray, mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said hunters in more than a dozen counties cannot take a buck mule deer unless the outside spread of the main beams of its antlers is 20 inches or greater. And it's a 20 inch outside spread, so a little bit different than the white-tailed deer antler restriction that uses the inside spread. We're using the outside spread because it closely matches the ear tip to ear tip spread when the deer's in the alert position. So it's a little easier for hunters to judge that. It was set there because that's going to protect the bucks pretty much from yearling all the way to about four years of age. Gray said the restrictions help improve the buck age structure and the sex ratio of the mule deer population. Some of these areas we were looking at four to five does per buck, which is fairly skewed for deer. The antler restriction experiment in Terrell County continues this year. I would really like for folks that harvest a mule deer in Terrell County to come by our check station so we can collect data to help us evaluate the antler restriction in Terrell County. And we actually have some prizes for those folks that come to our check station for us to collect data off the mule deer that they harvest. The Terrell County check station is at Stewards Deer Processing in Dryden. Dates and hours of operation are available in the outdoor annual along with a full list of the counties under special mule deer antler restrictions. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures put in a higher close on Tuesday. Live cattle finishing higher on the December contract up 92 cents, 175.85. February up $1.62, 176.87, with April up $1.35, 178.80. Feeder cattle higher on all except the nearby November. It was down 67 cents at 230.05. January feeders up 70, 229 even, with March feeder cattle up $1.30, 231 37 Cash-fed cattle still quiet for the week, no bids or asking prices to report. Box beef prices lower, choice down $1.86 at $295.99, select down $1.50, $267.74. 
Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock, is in the alleyway today here at the auction. Rodney, how did your Friday sale go? Market was a little softer in spots, but overall I thought the market was still pretty steady, sir. Walk the pens with me, Rodney. All right, we had 421 head of cattle, six horses, and five goats. That old market was steady. The 200, 300 pound steers were 227 to 295. Heifers, $2 to 275. 300, 400 pound steers were 219 to 280. Heifers, 2 to 287 to 240. 400 to 500 pound steers were 209 to 275. Heifers 192 to 255. Your 500 to 600 pound steers were 208 to 240. Heifers 186 to 216. Your 600 to 700 pound steers were 190 to 217. Heifers 167 to 197. 700 to 800 pound steers were 184 to 207. And heifers were 155 to 170. Packer cows, sure enough, were strong. They brought anywhere from 55 to a dollar. Bulls brought from 85 to a dollar 12. Young stocker cows brought anywhere from 88 to a dollar eight. With some bread cows dollaring out around that 1300. And our pears this Friday brought anywhere from 1100 to 1700, sir. Good. Do you know of anything for this next Friday yet? I do not know of any cattle coming this next Friday that I know of. And we've had some good rains all day today, so maybe it'll be slower this week and be ready to crank up after the holiday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of your Rodney Butler. Yeah, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you and take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Neighbor, it looks to me like that's it for this edition of Walking the Pens. You're listening to me, Larry Marble, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, and the individual program you're listening to is called Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower. December hogs down a dollar five, closing at seventy-two thirty. December class three milk up twenty-seven cents, seventeen fifty a hundred weight. Triple-digit gains in the cotton market on Tuesday. Lower dollar helping to move prices higher. December contract continues to inch toward that eighty-cent level. It was up hundred twenty points, seventy-eight sixty-eight. While March cotton did top 80 cents, it was up 168 points, 81.15. Grain markets were slightly higher. December corn up a penny, 478 and a quarter. March corn up one and a half, 494 and a quarter. Hard and soft wheat both lower. December Kansas City wheat down one and three quarters, 639 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down seven at 572 a bushel. In the energy markets, December natural gas down nine cents, three oh nine. December West Texas crude up four, seventy-eight thirty a barrel. The financial market sharply higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow jumping five hundred four points, thirty-four thousand eight forty-two. The Nasdaq up three hundred thirty-six points at fourteen thousand one hundred three. The S and P up eighty-seven at four thousand four ninety-eight. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.